you're not the boss amino and you're not so big welcome to life is unfair the malcolm in the middle podcast where we watch and talk about every episode of malcolm in the middle in chronological order today we are talking about the Buseys run away which originally aired november 14th 2004 was directed by brian cranston and written by michael globerman hi i'm jake and i wouldn't call myself a hero but you can if you'd like and i'm david and i thought that number had a lot of letters in it and before we get into this week's episode never mind i forgot we have to do that separately <laughs> wow jake wow <laughs> shut up shut up david before we get into this week's episode jake remembers how to podcast well we'll go to the community segment which will be recorded in the future and not right now <laughs> Correct, Jake. And why is that, Jake? Because we're ahead on recordings. Yeah, which never happens. Yeah. But before we get into this week's episode, we have our community segment, which as always starts with a big thank you to everyone who supports us over on Patreon, where we are Let's Play Death Ray, which is how you can support us directly and gain access to our secret podcast, Uncaged, in which we are watching every Nicolas Cage movie ever made. Uh, and we uh, have some poll results to start us off. Looking back a couple of episodes on Reese Joins the Army Part 2, which... Uh, for that episode, for least shitty kid, Eric chose Dewey, uh, essentially for not being in the episode very much, and for being a good kid in the little bit that he is, while I chose Malcolm for saving Hal in the trial, and David, you chose Reese for self-improvement. Well, yeah. It happens so rarely. <laughs> Fair enough, but... The audience did not agree with you, David. Shocking. Though it was a very close one. And we ended the season on yet another tie. Yeah? As uh, we had a tie between Malcolm and Dewey both getting 40% of the vote, with Reese getting the other 20%. Okay. You know, I can live with that. <laughs> and for Shittiest Kid... Uh, of course, it was the last episode of your Malcolm getting it every time bit. Yeah. And by your, you mean your? No, your. Your, yeah. Your. Yeah, your. Your. This is some real Swedish chef territory we're entering. Correct. <laughs> but uh, Eric and I both chose Francis as shittiest kid. Uh, for the way he treated Lois during the middle of her mental breakdown. And uh, the internet uh, agreed with Eric and I. Francis got 66% of the vote, with Malcolm getting the other 33%. Despite even you not believing in your own argument, David. <laughs> so I think that's one of you singled out as one of them where you, your argument was very hard because it was total bullshit. <laughs> Well, listen, sometimes I'm so good at bullshit, I make people believe it. Clearly. <laughs> well done, David. You successfully misled the audience. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> I'm a real hero. Wait. <laughs> then, uh, in addition to our poll results, we also got an email 
uh, pertaining to our wrap-up episode. Oh. As Luke wrote in with an email titled, Season 5 Wrap-Up, then in parentheses, Warning, I Don't Like It. Oh. (laughs) And, uh... He says, uh, Luke here for a masterful season five wrap up. And he gives his season rankings as he has ranked uh, season two, then four, then three, then one, then five. Wow. (laughs) And he says, season five is my least favorite season of the show. It's not even close. Sorry, David. (laughs) Okay. I feel like every season reinvents the show except for this one. Season 5 just feels like a much worse version of Season 4. All the characters are at their most bland and don't get as much actual uh, exploration as they did in previous seasons. It plays too safe. Interesting. And uh, he also added, I only liked a handful of episodes in the season, so it's... Uh, my top three is easy. And he says, uh, Reese joins the army part one and two are my favorite episodes. As you can see, uh, hints of season six creeping in, uh, which is fair. Yeah. And uh, he also says uh, Christmas trees. Uh, while he's not the biggest fan of the squirrel catching stuff, I think the main plot is the best told story of the season. And then he also says that uh, Malcolm dates a family is one of the funniest episodes of the season. Malcolm dates a family is amazing. It's a great, it's a great episode. But uh, L- L- Luke continues to be the anti-David. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am definitely closer on the uh, Luke's side of th- this uh, assessment of season five than yours, obviously. Obviously, because it was my next to last. Yeah. But uh, I I do agree with him that it feels the most like stable of a season it feels like the most like unchanging if that makes sense yeah i can definitely see the perspective of like it feeling very similar to season four yeah that's fair there's not really like a major like shift in things the way that previous seasons had and then uh season six has like it doesn't have like any big like narrative shifts but uh, it's definitely very totally different. Right. That's like we're, we're already starting to see only a couple episodes into season six. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. If anyone else would like to write in and uh, like let, let us know their like favorite episodes or, or like their general impression of the uh, previous seasons, like especially like season five here. Uh, I, I would uh, like to hear those. It's always interesting to me to see how different people sort of, like, weigh what matters in a show to them. I would agree. It would be very interesting uh, to find out. Yeah. And, uh, no, uh, ho- hopefully uh, send one that uh, <laughs> doesn't, I think, make David think that you're insulting our episode. <laughs> Listen. That is 100% where I thought that was going. <laughs> I assume so from your reaction. I was like, wow, all right, all right, let's go. I mean, listen, I'd understand. <laughs> I was in it. I get it. Doesn't mean I have to like it. That's listen, fair. 
Listen, if I'm <laughs> stuck with me, so are you. <laughs> Uh, but as always, thank you, Luke, for writing in. Of course. Uh, and with that, let's get to this week's episode. We have a cold open as Hal is frantically looking around for his glasses, which are sitting on his head. And as he's, like, searching, you know, talking about how he just can't find his glasses, uh, Malcolm and Reese are, like, sitting on the couch watching him. And he turns to them and asks... Uh, are you sure you haven't seen my glasses? I can't find them anywhere. <laughs> and of course, they both just stare directly at him and say, nope. So rude. And Malcolm turns to camera and explains that he's been looking for his glasses for two and a half hours now, shattering his old record. <laughs> and Hal, still looking for his glasses, picks up his car keys and starts like absentmindedly uh, like, spinning the keys around on the key ring, and then he, uh, like, gets a look of realization on his face and says he's going to go look in the car, and he starts to walk over to the back door with the car keys in his hand, but when he gets to the back door, he goes, where are my car keys? And turns around. <laughs> Good old Hal. I, I wish this wasn't relatable. Right. That's fair. I've never done the glasses on the head fade, but I've definitely... Done the actively looking for a thing that I is in my hands thing. <laughs> uh, I don't do it too often, but like occasionally when we're streaming, especially like I'll have my phone plugged up and I'll look at my phone and be like, man, I should use my phone to look this up. And then I'll be like, where the fuck's my phone? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, that that's definitely the most common. Or I'll be like, for, for whatever reason, sometimes my brain can't accept that like, my phone is capable of doing multiple things. Yeah. <laughs> I think just that because I'm an old person. So I'll be like listening to music on my phone and be like, uh, you know, like, like switching songs or something and be like, oh, I need to find my phone and, and like uh, look something up or like text someone. And I'll start looking around for my phone. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone there. Obviously the thing playing my music couldn't also search the internet or make text. That's... That's crazy talk. Correct. That seems insane, Jay. Right? We're not we're not in Jetsons time. Exactly. But uh, getting into the episode proper, we are once again Francis Free, which will uh, be happening much more often these last two seasons. Sad. Uh, th th this one is uh, organized sort of weird for Malcolm Middle in that there's Kind of three plot lines, but they intersect a decent amount. A lot. Like, two two of them, like, fully converge, which we'll deal with when we get to it. But uh, the least connected, and the one that we will start with, is the Malcolm and Reese-centered plot. That makes sense. And, huh, what, what would you name this? I'm going to say you named this plot line the P-plot for Punishment. No, but fair, I guess. It, it's the it's the uh, FW for fireworks. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I was concerned about. I, I figured you kept this one fairly basic because it's like a pretty brief one. Correct. I, I couldn't decide which fairly basic thing you were going to name it. Oh, uh, that's fair. Yeah, I, I figured, I, I'm not going to lie, I also almost forgot to name this plotline because of how much, like, it's going on with the other plot lines. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. 
Yeah. Uh, so not only did I not give this one a ton of thought, but I literally named it on the walk down here, like after I had quote finished my notes and then went, oh shit, I gotta name that plot line too. Gotcha. So yeah, it was the FW for fireworks. Yeah, it is also like weirdly structured as far as like how we usually like structure these because like Dewey's pretty central to all of the plot lines. Yeah. <laughs> And like he crosses over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this plot line sort of starts as its own thread when Malcolm and Reese pull a backpack full of fireworks out of the closet and invite Dewey to go with them to the movie theater. Yeah. Because you've seen movies, you've seen fireworks, but have you ever seen them at the same time? <laughs> you know, come to think of it, Jake, I haven't. <laughs> maybe they're on to something here but dewey who is uh sad because of things that'll happen in one of the other plot lines uh decides he doesn't want to go which malcolm and reese are immediately like suspicious of saying you know we're, we're trying to reach out to you as a brother and you're turning us down it's not like we're setting you up and reese turns to malcolm and goes wait are we <laughs> <laughs> oh reese then uh, we we don't see their uh, fireworks at the movie plan unfold, but we do see the fallout. We sure do. As the next time we see Malcolm and Reese, Malcolm uh, has one of his hands bandaged, and he's complaining that two of his fingers have fused together. And Reese has a giant chunk of his hair missing that has been clearly burned off. And uh, Lois is lecturing them uh, in typical Lois fashion, telling them, you know, she wants them home by three and they better have all of their homework done and uh, all of the usual, you're grounded, so uh, don't do anything bad, stock. And as they start to leave for school, she threatens to uh, set some fireworks off in a, somewhere much darker than a movie theater. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And as they're all leaving... Uh, Dewey, like, stops as he grabs his lunch and, like, looks to Lois and asks, uh, aren't you going to warn me not to lose my milk money and remind me to be polite to the crossing guard? And Lois just looks at him and says, no, have a nice day. <laughs> and Dewey, like, starts to walk away and then gets a look of realization on his face before he leaves. Then we see Malcolm and Reese uh, in their room scrubbing the floor with toothbrushes. While Dewey is laying in bed reading a comic. And Lois comes in and, uh, like, one, once again, like, yells at Malcolm and Reese, like, making sure they're, uh, you know, doing what they're supposed to. And then she uh, very politely tells Dewey goodnight and says that she made him a turkey and cream cheese sandwich for his lunch tomorrow. Which actually kind of sounds good. Not gonna uh, lie. That sounds delicious. Malcolm and Reese both like come over to Dewey and ask why Lois is treating him so well and Dewey explains that for the last three days he hasn't done anything wrong that Lois uh, you know it turns out that she can talk just like anyone else she doesn't only communicate in yelling she just does that because we're always in trouble it's not her it's us <laughs> yeah <laughs> Malcolm and Reese just, like, stare at him in silence, and then Malcolm says, Fine, don't tell us then. In her room, Lois is taking some aspirin, 
And she realizes that she's been taking a third less aspirin lately. <laughs> she wonders why. <laughs> I thought that was a funny little detail to add. It is. <laughs> then we see Malcolm and Reese as they have a meeting in their bedroom closet <laughs> where they discuss the fact that Dewey has clearly flipped on them and he's informing to Lois. <laughs> It's the only possible explanation. It is the natural conclusion, Jake. I was just going to say. Like, yeah. It makes sense. I understand. Well, especially because last episode, like, Lois revealed that one of her, like, tactics is to treat one of the kids, like, really well to make the other ones turn against them. And now we get to see it in action. Exactly. Yes, except she's doing it unintentionally. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's the thing. Lois is such a... A masterful, just, she is a master with punishment, Jake. She doesn't have to know that they deserve it, and she doesn't have to actively seek to punish them, Jake. It just sort of happens. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, I suppose. Her skills know when they're needed, Jake. I mean, uh, d does Dewey need punishment here? <laughs> no, no, no. The other two do. Dewey is the informant, the unwilling informant. But but I'll, I'll I'll remind you that part of that whole deal is that it you know turns the other two against the one so that they punish him. I'm aware. Look, sometimes there's un unforeseen consequences. Ah, uh, I see. Dewey's just collateral damage. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. But uh, we we do see them turning on Dewey as they start hatching their plan. Oh boy, do they! <laughs> as they uh. Needs to neutralize him because he knows too much and Reese lists some of his uh, current schemes that Dewey might have information on, which are uh, his lost dog scam, the rat baby farm, and the electrified mailbox. I want to know what that last one, like, what, what the goal of that is. I mean, maybe Reese hates mailmen. Maybe, I don't know, or maybe it's a specific person, I don't know. That could also be, yeah. Or, he just thinks it'd be funny. All our options. <laughs> All of those are very good, very real options. I mean, it's Reese. Then, uh, their plan that they come up with, uh, specifically that Malcolm comes up with, is that they're going to make sure that Dewey overhears them as they're planning something big across town. And when he tells Lois about it, she'll go... And she'll have to wait at night in the cold for hours, and then when nothing happens, it'll discredit Dewey completely. And then they immediately put this plan into action, and it immediately backfires. <laughs> as they watch Dewey go into the bathroom, and they, like, walk over next to the door, and uh, Dewey, uh, you know, goes through that uh, weird third bathroom door that confused us so much back in Season 1. So the... Boys don't know that he's no longer in the bathroom, and Lois has walked in from her room as they start loudly announcing their plans to go to the city sewage treatment plant and uh, commit wanton vandalism with their flare guns and their shovels. And they say that they hope uh, Mom never finds out about it. But of course she won't, because she's too stupid, and she's too busy stuffing her fat face. <laughs> and Reese says, uh, do you think she's gotten stupider or fatter? 
And, of course, Lois is standing in the bathroom listening to all of this, like, folding her arms as they just go on digging their own graves. Yeah, they're real brilliant. Then, uh, the, the like, last little bit of this plot line is we see their punishment for this. <laughs> they are both, like, doing handstands in the corner in the living room with their heads in buckets. <laughs> I mean, it's creative, and it does keep her from having to do it. <laughs> <laughs> then, from there, we will go to the Hal-centric plotline, which I think you have named the A.S. plot for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been a very good one, but no. Uh, this is the PB plotline for Park Bros. Okay. Yeah. Aren't those the guys that make uh, Monopoly? <laughs> no, that's the Parker Bros. <laughs> Very common mistake, Jake. It, it, it sort of, like, sets up the other plot lines and then, like, sort of converges and then uh, comes back around. Uh, it starts uh, in the boys' room with Malcolm and Reese fighting over their shared stick of deodorant. <laughs> Reese is saying, I still need it. I haven't done the upper half of my body yet. Which is just... Uh, and uh, Malcolm complains that uh, Reese is wasting all of their deodorant. He already used two inches drawing those stick figures having sex on the bathroom mirror. Oh, <laughs> uh, such a such a Reese sounding thing to do. And Lois comes in and literally puts socks in their mouths, <laughs> telling them that Hal is on the phone uh, with a uh, potential employer. That it's very important that one of them has a job again. Then uh, we go out uh, where Hal is on the phone and it is very clearly not going well. As he is agreeing with them that that other candidate does sound much better than him. He probably would have hired that guy over me too. And he like starts going, you know, th through this uh, list agreed with them saying, Yeah, it does sound like he has more experience and he's smarter. And more charismatic. And funnier. <laughs> no, damn it, Hal. You stop it. You deserve to not be used by the government in COG. And Lois comes out as Hal is, like, you know, finishing up this conversation on the phone with, uh, like, continuing on, agreeing that the, you know, candidate they went with has better hair. <laughs> and saying uh, he doesn't know what they should buy him for a welcome gift. <laughs> and uh, Lois, like, reassures him, saying, you know, he'll find something. And Hal is, like, you know, thinking about his options. He says there has to be a high turnover for test pilots. <laughs> <laughs> Which, wow, Hal. <laughs> and uh, he, like, moves on from that, saying, or maybe I could go into advertising. And... Lois says, you know, you don't have any experience in advertising. That's not going to happen. But Hal insists he's a natural. He can come up with, he comes up with little jingles all the time. <laughs> and he demonstrates this with increasingly terrible jingles. Yeah, I mean, really, he was ahead of his time because he basically just created commercials for 2022. I mean, his first two. <laughs> yeah. Like, they get, they get slowly... Even worse. But, I mean, give it a couple more years, Jake. But uh, as he, like, goes through all of his jingles, uh, and, you know, Lo Lo Lois uh, 
Once again, like, shoots his advertising idea down. She tells him, you know, uh, while you have this uh, time away from work, you can, you know, focus on doing things that you usually couldn't do. And she suggests that he takes Jamie to the park. Hal agrees, saying that, you know, he, he wants to get some uh, time in with Jamie before he's old enough to be ashamed. And uh, they, like, go off to the park. And as they're, like, uh, walking, uh, Hal gets distracted by a group of weightlifters, like, working out outside in, in, like, an outdoor gym area lifting weights. And he stops and tells them that they're huge and shiny. <laughs> the, the uh, like main weightlifter says, uh, thanks, but we could always be huger and shinier. That's right. <laughs> huger. And one of the other weightlifters gets upset because he dropped his keys down the drain. Can't reach his giant muscular fingers through, through the grates. And uh, the, the like initial one that Hal was talking to suggests that they punch the concrete around the drain to loosen the bars. Yeah, they punch it into a loose dust. <laughs> yes. But Hal intervenes, saying, you, you don't have to do that. And he grabs a stick, and uh, he asks the guy who dropped his keys for his gum, and he proceeds to, like, put the gum on the stick, and, uh, you know, put it down the drain, and get this guy's keys back, which they are all amazed by. As they start cheering for the scrawny guy and, like, lift him up on their shoulders. Then, back at the house, Hal is telling Lois that he's going to the park again. And he's, like, pushing the stroller. And uh, Lois says, that's great. Jamie will love that. And Hal goes, oh, right, Jamie. <laughs> and, uh, like, pulls the cover on the stroller back, revealing that in it he just has uh, two bottles of baby oil. <laughs> Which, those are the last two bottles of baby oil. He'll have to pick up a whole new case. That's right. <laughs> then we see him back at the park as he is uh, helping the weightlifters with, like, basic life skills. As he has uh, balanced one of their checkbooks, and that's where your opening line comes from. As he says, the, the problem was that you uh, weren't adding up the, the money from the checks that you wrote. You were adding your address over and over again. I thought that number had a lot of letters in it. Yeah. <laughs> I would have just assumed that he was talking about algebra. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, he doesn't, he, he doesn't even say letters. He says words. <laughs> oh, that's right. He does, huh? He then, like, starts to go over to review... Uh, how they mail letters, where, uh, uh, the, you know, reminding them to put the stamps on the letters, not the mailbox. <laughs> I didn't even catch that line. Then uh, one of them asks, wait, are mailboxes the things firefighters use? And he says, no, those are hydrants. <laughs> yeah, I caught that one. I missed the stamps line. <sighs> oh, that's awesome. Then uh, Hal, like, finishing up his little, you know, lecture to all of these weightlifters, like, takes Jamie and starts to leave, telling them goodbye. And as he's, like, walking uh, through the parking lot with Jamie, he's, like, talking to Jamie, saying, uh, See, wasn't that fun when Carlo threw you in the air and Daddy screamed and screamed? <laughs> then uh, he, like, stops as he realizes that he's being followed. And he looks back and sees that the bodybuilders are following him like a pack of lost puppies. <laughs> and he tells them, you know, 
uh, I'll be back tomorrow, guys. And he, like, continues walking, and they continue following. He, like, turns, and he tries to shoo them away. But it doesn't work, as they, like, follow him in lockstep. Like, even when he steps to the side, they, like, step to the side in unison with him. And uh, Hal makes it to the family's new car. <laughs> which is even shittier than their old car was. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little yellow shitbox. I didn't even pay attention to make or model, but it is awful. Yep. <laughs> As we will soon see in this episode. Hal goes to start it. It won't start. And he, like, starts, you know, calling it a piece of junk and getting upset. Then he gets an idea, and it cuts to the bodybuilders pulling the car like sled dogs <laughs> down the streets. That's right. Jake, it's just a team sled pole. Gah, what a great workout. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> then uh, back at the house, uh, in the scene where Lois realizes she's taking one third less aspirin than usual, uh, Hal asks her what she would do if through a series of circumstances out of her control, she found herself commanding an army of benevolent strongmen. <laughs> And she just, like, stares at him in confusion and says, what? <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, that's fair. Let's be honest. And Hal, like, goes on with, like, a little speech about how with that kind of power, you would have to do something big with it. Something unselfish and grand and not too expensive. <laughs> And he goes on saying, you know, that that's not even factoring in that he could easily be, be led down the dark side. And he turns to Lois and makes her promise to say something if she ever catches him holding a cat and laughing maniacally over a globe. <laughs> Which I like that that's his go-to. Which, I mean, it makes sense. It's Blofeld. I mean, you know. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. The last little bit we get of this plotline before it sort of meets up with the other plotline is Hal is once again going off to the park with Jamie, and he complains to Lois because it's Abday at the park, and he hates Abday because they always make him uh, judge, and someone's feelings always get hurt because someone's stomach is always going to be flatter than everyone else's. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, from there, it meets up with the last remaining plotline, so we will go to that plotline now. And I'm going to say you called this the EV plot for Ewok Village. Oh, uh, so I did go for a very different pop culture reference than Damn it. Yep, but I did go for a pop culture reference. This is the LB plotline for Lost Boys. Yep, yep. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> See, I, I, I thought you'd go for the Star Wars, David. Damn that's it. fair. That's that. That's a good guess. Uh, It's a very good guess, but no, unfortunately. Didn't, didn't go that way this time. <laughs> it starts uh, in that scene where uh, Lois puts the socks in Malcolm and Reese's mouths as they're fighting over their deodorant when Dewey comes in. She, like, turns to him and immediately just says, And you! <laughs> and Dewey, assuming he's being punished, just picks up a pair of socks and stuffs them in his own mouth. <laughs> Poor but, Dewey. Uh, Lois, like, pulls them out and says, 
no, you don't have to do that. And she uh, tells him that today is his last day in the special ed class. And she has talked to his school counselor and convinced her to send him back to his normal class. Then we follow Dewey to school where the counselor is like giving a speech to the Buseys, telling them that, you know, Dewey is leaving the class and that they should look at him leaving the class and feel inspired because it means that someday they could escape. I mean, get moved out of this class into the other class. <laughs> and like once it's time for Dewey to leave, they all crowd around him and start telling him that uh, he can't leave because things have been so much better since he's been here. And they say that Chad hasn't bitten anything living in weeks, and uh, Hanson uh, gets off of his motorcycle at lunch now, uh, and he got them a microscope and a better view. And then it cuts over, and they have, like, a picture of a sunset, like, taped up to the wall. Hey, whatever works, man. I get that one. And they beg him to stay, and uh, when the bell rings, they say, uh, put him in hug jail so he can't leave, and they all, like, surround him in a giant group hug. Hug jail. But Dewey, like, crawls out between their legs without them noticing, and, like, looks back one last time, like, sadly, at them all huddled together and then leave. And as he does, the, uh, picture of the sunset falls off of the wall. And that is why Dewey doesn't go with Malcolm and Reese uh, to the movie theater with their fireworks, as he is just, like, sitting at his desk uh, at the keyboard, like, playing sad music. And that, that, that's where, uh, like, Dewey has his revelation about, you know, not getting into trouble and all of that stuff as a result of him not going with them. And we see that at play as he is sitting with Lois playing cards, and she is telling him that uh, next she's going to teach him Rummy. That's her favorite game. And they're, like, bonding, and, you know, Lois asks him uh, how he's liking, you know, being back in the regular classroom. And before he can answer, there's a knock at the door, and it is the guidance counselor from Dewey's school. And initially, Lois, like, assumes that, uh, you know, she's there because Dewey's got into some sort of trouble, and is she's uh, trying to put him back in the special education class, but she, like, immediately cuts her off saying, you know, no, no, it's nothing to do with Dewey. She just wants to know if Dewey has heard anything from his former classmates, because they have all run away. And Dewey, like, informs her that he doesn't know anything about it, and she leaves them saying, you know, if, if uh, they hear anything, to please tell her. And Lois is, like, you know, horrified by all these kids going missing, and she uh, tells Dewey, you know, she's so glad she got him out of that class, and she goes off to bake him some cookies. And while she does, Dewey goes into the backyard, and he is throwing a ball up and down, leaning against a tree. And he throws it a couple times, and, uh, uh, like, the third time throwing it, uh, it disappears. And Dewey, like, looks up at the tree, confused. And then Chad drops down in front of him, like, hanging upside down. And Chad grabs him and pulls him up into the tree. <laughs> And we see that all of the Buseys are now living in these trees. And they tell Dewey that, uh, you know, they stole some blankets from home and some uh, food out of a trash can from a restaurant. 
And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to live in these trees now because it's unbearable, uh, you know, going through that class without Dewey. And they invite Dewey to live in the trees with them. You'll have to get approval from the squirrels, but we'll put in a good word for you. Then uh, Dewey tells them that they can't live in a tree. You know, this isn't a good situation for them, and he's sorry, but he's going to have to tell. And when he says that, they tell him that he better not, because if he does, he's going to be in so much trouble. And when, when he asks, you know, what, what do they mean? They, like, turn to one of the girls, and she starts, like, fake crying and saying that, uh, uh, we're so sorry, we, we didn't mean to, but Dewey tricked us into running away. And he's the one who made us do it. Why did you make us do this, Dewey? <laughs> Man, the manipulation here, like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> then, uh, Lois, like, calls out, and, uh, where we see, you know, Dewey being conflicted. As Lois is calling out, you know, treating him much better than he's used to being treated, offering him these cookies while they're still fresh, while the Buseys are, you know, both blackmailing him and also sort of testing his loyalty. <laughs> and that's where the uh, Hal plotline and this plotline sort of come together, as when Hal is about to go to the park for Ab Day, Lois stops him and, like, points to the TV where there's a news report about all of these missing kids, and she's talking about, you know, how horrible it is, and she says, you know, someone should do something. And Hal agrees, saying someone should do something, and someone will do something. Something big. <laughs> <laughs> and we get a montage. Set to a song by the Baja Men. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, what a montage it is, too. And uh, this montage starts with another, like, frequent, like, meme reaction gif, which is how marching with, like, uh, all of these bodybuilders, like, in a flying V formation behind him. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. And it, it, it's like cutting back and forth between Hal and his army of strongmen as they're like searching for these kids and Dewey helping like keep them hidden. As it uh, cuts from Hal uh, what with his like march to Dewey throwing some pizza up into the tree and then uh, like throwing the empty boxes back down. Then we see uh, one of the bodybuilders. <laughs> Like, uh, holding up a missing children poster while another one uses his finger to drill, <laughs> like, a screw in. It's a nail. He pushes the nail, like, in. Yeah, yeah but it makes, like, a screwdriver sound when he Kind of, yeah. It's really, the sound is weird. I, I think it's going for that, like, squeak of the, like, one-hit nail drive. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It definitely, the sound does not match what's happening. Then uh, we see Dewey with, like, a hose, uh, like, connected to the shower so that the uh, Buseys can take a shower up in their tree. Uh, then we see the bodybuilders pulling car trunks open <laughs> in the neighborhood. 
Then uh, Dewey, like, using a skateboard to launch popcorn supplies up for the Buseys, where they have, like, a microwave set up and a little TV. Then uh, coming out of their montage, uh, we see, like, the little tree society the Buseys have set up as they have, like, a series of, like, ropes and, and just, like, a bunch of stuff set up to accommodate their life in these trees. And Dewey is, like, climbing up and telling them that they have to go home. It's been four days and he hasn't been able to sleep. And he shows them a milk carton saying, you know, everyone is looking for you. Uh, your parents are looking for you. The cops are looking for you. There's an army of shiny giants looking for you. <laughs> and when they say that, you know, they're not going to stop now, this is going great. Dewey points out that it's going to start getting cold soon. And that when it does, the trees are going to lose their leaves and they won't be able to hide anymore. And they say that they know that and they already have a plan. They're going to head south. <laughs> and they may lose a few kids to predators and such along the way, but they'll die knowing that they were free. <laughs> That's right. They were free. <laughs> and we see Hal and the bodybuilders uh, stepping into the backyard. Like, looking disappointed and tired. And Hal tells them that, you know, they can get some water. But uh, that after that, they're going to have to keep moving. And Dewey asks Hal if he can, you know, ask him about uh, for some advice about a problem he has when he's done watering his men. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a conversation about leadership as Dewey tells Hal that, you know, he has a lot of people relying on him and he's not sure what to do, which... Immediately sends Hal into a monologue that's very clearly about him and his muscle men. <laughs> <laughs> he says that, you know, uh, everyone thinks that leadership is uh, going to be all uh, parades and being carried around on one of those sultan doodads, but no one tells you about the responsibility that comes with leadership. <laughs> and he, like, uh... Starts talking about how, you you know, you try your hardest to lead them, but you just end up breaking their hearts when you uh, can't live up to all of that responsibility. Then he turns to his men and, like, apologizes to them, telling them, you know, I've wasted your time. I've let you down. And when he says that, they say, no, no, we've let you down. And one of them starts, like, getting very upset about how they've let him down, and he starts, like, punching the tree, and Dewey, like, looks up worried as, as he just, like, keeps hitting the tree over and over until eventually Chad falls out. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks down at Chad and asks, am I a daddy now? <laughs> Then we cut to the parents and police all in the backyard uh, getting these kids. And that's where my opening line comes from is Hal is, uh, you know, being interviewed for the local news saying, uh, I don't consider myself a hero, but if you want to call me one, feel free. <laughs> 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 then... The uh, school counselor is there, and she asks the Buseys, uh, you know, what they were thinking, why they ran away like that. And they, like, look at Dewey, and, you know, Dewey is clearly worried that they're going to blame him. But instead, they say, well, we're just creeps. <laughs> and uh, she tells them that, uh, 
You know, she doesn't know what caused them to act up like this, but they're gonna have to get rid of everything that overstimulates them, like recess. Poor kids. And Dewey, like, tries to intervene, saying, you know, that they didn't mean to make everyone worry like that. But she says, you know, that that's none of your concern now. And she starts to leave. And Dewey sighs and, like, looks up at Lois and says, well, it was nice while it lasted. And, like, Lois, like, looks at him and says, what do you mean? And Dewey, like, falls to the ground and immediately starts yelling about, you know, all of these feelings that he's having. And as he's, like, you know, yelling more and more, he starts tearing his clothes off. And Lois is, like, trying to, you know, reassure this counselor and everyone looking on that, you know, he he doesn't usually act like this. And uh, then Dewey, like, takes his pants off and throws them at Lois and then proceeds to, like, bite her ankles. <laughs> and, you know, seeing this display, the counselor tells Lois that maybe Dewey should go back to the special needs class for a while. And uh, that, like, wraps up the Dewey side of things. That just leaves some, like, Hal stuff that gets wrapped up as uh, we see him, like, the, the next day as he's about to go off to the park once again has become his, like, daily tradition now. But Lois stops him on his way out as she is on the phone with the employer uh, that he was talking to last week uh, because they saw him on the news and they've decided to hire him. <laughs> Al, like, you know, takes the phone and, of course, accepts the job. Then, uh, as he hangs up, realizes this means he won't be going to the park anymore. Then we see him at the park, breaking the news to his bodybuilder friends. As he tells them, I got a job. And when there's no reaction, he says, which means I'll be working during the day. And there's still no reaction as he has to continue saying, which means I won't be at the park anymore. And they all go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor park bros. They no longer have their leader. That's right. They no longer have the guidance of the smartest man in the world. <laughs> but he reassures them, telling them, you know, they'll be fine, that they've improved a lot since he's known them. And he, uh, like, points out that one of them is using the ATM like a pro now, like he's been doing it his whole life. <laughs> and he, like, points to another one and says, uh, and, uh, I know who's been, uh, taping, uh, fuck, what's, what's the TV show? It, it's a soap opera, I can't remember which yeah, one. Yeah, is it something of lighter, uh, uh, fudge. I don't remember, but, but, uh, he, like, points out, you know, that this guy is, Learned how to tape shows with his uh, VCR player so he could watch them with his dinner. And they have, like, an emotional farewell as all the bodybuilders, like, start to cry. And uh, they, they tell Hal that, you know, they just wish that there was something they could do to pay him back for everything he's done for them. Then we see Hal arriving for his first day of work, where there's, like, a uh, parking lot attendant... Uh, you know, has to, like, raise the thing to let him in. And he looks very confused, and Hal reassures him, saying, Don't worry, they're with me! <laughs> and it pans out to reveal that once again, uh, Hal's army of muscle men are dragging the car for him. <laughs> That's right. Taking him to work. <laughs> and that wraps the episode up. So, uh, let's go to our awards. 
Yeah. Yeah. Awards. And as usual, we will start with our Roller Skating Keen Award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for this one, David? I, I had to give it to, as I nicknamed it in my notes, Slay Bros. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Gym Bros, uh, Park Bros, freaking carrying the, the, the car down the street is just so funny and so perfect. It, it cracks me up. Yeah, yeah, that was also my first choice. But since you took that, I will go with my backup, which was the montage. Yeah, it was a pretty good montage. I love especially, dude, it almost got it for me just because of the pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a part where Dewey like straight up and it like cuts to like avoid showing, but like he throws like four or five pizzas just like straight up into the trees. And then you get like these cutbacks of these different like thick foliage of like and sound of like spinning cardboard that, like, implies that they're throwing the pizzas from one group to the next. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's great. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the, the, despite the, like, weird audio, I do also love the, uh, you know, uh, bodybuilder just, like, pushing <laughs> the nail in with his finger. Right, yeah. Well, like I said, uh, last episode, there's, a. Uh, a lot more, like, very silly, like, very, like, cartoon logic stuff in these last two seasons. Uh, fair. Which, uh, this episode's, uh, you know, a great example of. <laughs> yeah. It sure is. Man. <laughs> I love it. And moving on to our next award, what did you give your Hot Dog with Mustard Award? Your award for the best line. Man, I... Ooh. I struggled with this one because there's, like, I feel like there's, like, the most relatable line, there's the funniest line, and then there's just the, like, I think best lines that, like, set up the next part of the episode. But I ended up giving it to, the like, the line that I feel, like, most relatable. And it's when Lois uh, recommends that Hal take Jamie to the park, and he's like, I should enjoy him before he's old enough to become ashamed of me. <laughs> <laughs> I I just that as as a dad to two young boys, that's <laughs> eh, that hit a little close to home, Hal, you dick. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it, it was it was pretty great. I went uh with a, a different Hal line. I went with and that's not even taking into account that I could easily go down the dark side. <laughs> as, uh, as he's, you know, weighing the options of what he could do with his army of muscle men. <laughs> right. I love I love that idea of, like, Hal immediately considers the option that he could go down the... <laughs> he could cross over to the dark side. Then, uh, moving on to our next award, which of these plot lines did you choose as the A plot of your heart? Uh, so I chose for the A plot the, the, um, the, the, the Park Bros plot, just because it was, it, it was so funny, and I love the imagery of Hal getting pulled around, and I love the, like, superhero-esque moment when Hal's like, yes, someone should do something. 
And then, you know, you get him and the gym bros all storming around. I also thought it was hilarious when he punches. And I saw it coming. But, like, when he starts punching the tree, you know, and then the kid falls uh-huh. out of it. And the line, does this mean I'm a dad now? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That I also went with uh, Hal and his army of himbos. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> it's so funny and just like again it's like so cartoony yeah and, and i also love how like weirdly wholesome it is that how is just like teaching these guys like very basic life skills it's, it's great stuff <laughs> i i agree dude it was it was hilarious i love that plot line and i know it's a little insulting to you know bodybuilders and people who are to the gym but like you know it's pretty yeah. funny it's pretty funny. And uh, who did you choose as your favorite character? Um, Hal, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. This is a great Hal episode. Yeah, yeah. It 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 is. But I, I do feel like I'm noticing a trend. Just that, like, uh, I, I feel like they gave like once he started directing episodes, all of the best Hal episodes, like to Brian Cranston to direct. Right. <laughs> Which makes sense. That's fair, yeah. I mean, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who did you give your Cloris Leachman Award, your award for the best acting? I, I also had to give it to Brian Granston. I mean, he's just so good. And again, you get the, the physical comedy. And I love having Brian Cranston and Hal in these situations that, like, he doesn't belong in, but he manages to thrive in. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. like, I love, I love his leadership poses and stuff. It's so comic booky and silly and goofy. Fair enough. I can definitely understand choosing him. Is uh, always very tempting, especially in a good Hal episode. Right. But I, I decided to go with Jane Kasmerick this time. Okay. Okay. Since we we get to see her in like a more like, conventional, less angry mother role in this episode, which we don't often get. Yeah, we see a normal mom, which is weird. Yes. I don't like it. I, I don't trust it. <laughs> they, they've sold her my information. She knows about my MLM scheme. Well, clearly Dewey's been informing to her on you, David. I mean, you know what? <laughs> Good on him. I'm a bad person. <laughs> Man, uh, who did you give your Mrs. Dabney Award, your award for the worst parent of the episode? I had to give it to Hal. Okay. Because, again, he forgot to even load Jamie into the stroller <laughs> yeah. to go to the park and started this mission to, uh, you know, spend some time with his son and completely and immediately got distracted and sidetracked from that in order to lead his semi-new cult. Uh, <laughs> so, and and Lois doesn't really do anything. I mean, I think her punishment of Reese and Malcolm for the, like, the level of punishment that they got for the conversation they were having, I feel like should have gone to the fireworks. <laughs> like, but I can't disagree with them being punished because, boy, were they awful. Yes. Uh, I mean, uh, that does make perfect sense, David. That that is a great choice. But I took this opportunity to go with someone other than Hal or Lois. Okay. I went 
with Chad's mom. Okay. Because when Dewey shows him the, like, milk carton with his face on it, he looks at it, and he immediately says, My mom was right. I do have crazy eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, What a shitty thing to say to your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Then, uh, moving on to our next award. What did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Pizza places having collectible cups. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember when uh I remember when Pizza Hut was all about that. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like I was struggling with this one and then I rewatched that scene for something else and I was like, "Oh. Oh man, I remember that. I remember I remember going to Pizza Hut j- enough times just so that we could get the collectible cups." Yep. <laughs> I remember having cousins obsessed with those cups, and if you use those cups, then they would get really mad at you because that's a collectible cup. Why is it in the cupboard with the other cups, you psychopath? <laughs> yeah, in general, I feel like like the, the 90s and 2000s were like the golden age for like fast food collectibles. <laughs> right. Like especially the, I, th- I think about like the, the, the Burger the King like Pokemon. Pokemon? Yeah, yes. that's immediately what came to my mind the minute you said that. Yeah, 100%. The, the golden Pokemon cards? Yeah. Dude, I, uh, my brother went to school with a kid who literally got, like, beat. And I don't mean, like, beat up, like, beat down for his golden Pokemon cards, man. That does not surprise me. No, me either. That, that shit was, man. Pokemon cards were, like, the ultimate currency oh, of the playground. <laughs> If you had if you had the golden Charizard and the golden Pikachu, you were hot shit. If you had golden Mew, you got You're to determine mugged. what. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you were bigger. <laughs> Look, if you were if you were the big guy, and you had the golden Mew, nobody fucked with you. Fair. Well, for for my OK Boomer Award, I went with the uh, missing kids on the milk carton. Fair. Was that that was a thing that was. Being phased out in the early 2000s as the Amber Alert system, like, took over as, like, the main way of spreading that information. Yep. Then that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid award. Let's start with our least shitty kid. Who did you choose for that, David? Uh, Dewey. I mean, yeah. It's gotta be Dewey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think there's another option. Especially yeah. if we go with Eric's crazy, we didn't see Francis, so he must be doing some murders or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know that, Francis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I mean, Dewey and Dewey sacrificed of himself to, to help these kids, which is something more than their teacher's willing to do, so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. And who did you choose as shittiest kid? Um, well, I mean, obviously, Mal- no, I'm kidding. I, I chose Reese <laughs> solely for, because like most of the shitty things that he does, Malcolm also does. Uh-huh. I chose Reese for, because now while I'm not a fan <laughs> of off screen stuff, uh-huh. we've been over this. He, it, this time, instead of alluding to it, he specifically says lost dog scam. 
and like acknowledges it as a scam and that he's aware that he's scamming people with it and that is shitty and super low and yeah i can't let him pass for that one i mean look i'm in agreement i'm just i'm i'm so used to you know hearing nonsense in this portion of the show this That's point, because it, it you doesn't made sound me. right coming from you. <laughs> you made me for an entire season make shit up. But yeah, yeah, I I also chose race for those uh off-screen things that he alludes to because yeah, uh, like you said, other than that, like him and Malcolm do the exact same things, but Reese yeah. has that extra list of crimes that he <laughs> spells out. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, uh, that wraps up our awards, but we have a couple segments left, uh, beginning with the Cranston Connection, which, th- this one is a, uh, it's a big one that I have been waiting for, David. Yeah? Because, before he was, you know, any of the various things that we've talked about, you know, but before he was fighting the Flash, and... Before he was a dentist, uh, he had a long-standing career through the 80s and 90s as a actor in commercials. Uh, if you <laughs> look up Brian Cranston commercials, uh, there's a shit ton of them for things like uh, uh, hemorrhoid medicine and like <laughs> gum and like headache relief stuff. Because, like, but before his, like, career, you know, started to take off, that's, like, mostly what he did in, like, the late 80s and early 90s. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. And, and we see him breaking those skills out in this episode when Lois, you know, falsely claims that he doesn't have any experience in advertising. Right. That, that uh, wraps that up. But, David, I do want to take this opportunity to do a little speculation as how it gets a new job in this episode. Uh-huh. And I, 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 don't, I don't have, like, a full segment or anything for it yet, but what kind of job do you think this might be? Oh, man, I don't know. They're really vague with it. They are. At the very least, we do know that it's some sort of firm. Maybe, you know what, maybe this is going to be, like, a consulting firm, and they'll have, like, a couple different departments. Like, maybe this is where he first gets his, uh like introduction to architecture and stuff like that because they got like an engineering department and they're just like a large consulting firm okay yeah yeah that makes sense yeah I know. it would help you know continue to explain his wide range of skills see yeah i like it i like it well, <laughs> I have to keep that in mind as we go forward all right and that just leaves david's guessing game ah shit <laughs> I but did I wanna, pretty well on this one. I want to do good. I want to. I want to close out the show strong. You uh, thought that this episode would center on the Buseys uh, staging a walkout, like as protest, as you thought what it would be, as, as they were like, you know, asking for better treatment and advocating for themselves, uh, which isn't quite what happened. Uh, so I, I gave you some credit for that, but uh, not uh, full credit for that prediction. But you kind of nailed everything else, because you correctly predicted that Dewey would be taken out of the BC class, and that Lois would, like, be fighting with the school to, like, do that, uh, which is what happened. Like, we don't see a lot of it, but it's at least alluded to that, you know, she went through that. 
And you also correctly predicted that we still wouldn't see Francis. Uh, so with that, I gave you an 88% for this. Awesome. I'll take it. Hell yeah. Then what do you think happens next week in Standee? Standee? Standee. Ha. Huh. I don't know. Maybe the boys are going to, or Hal, are going to find, like, a standee of, like, one of their, like, heroes or, like, people they really look up to, you know, and maybe, gotcha. like, want to take it, you know? Like, uh, for instance, uh, one of the guys I used to work with at a factory, he had a, like, standee of one of the race car, NASCAR drivers that uh, he ended up getting because he... Just had to have it. So when they were done with their promotion, and like he approached people and you know got it and stuff like right. that. You know what I mean? So maybe there's going to be some sort of I don't want to say conflict, but maybe there's like some sort of issue. Like either they're trying to get it, and oh, that would be perfect. As if it was at like the Lucky Aid, and like Lois went back to work there, and Hal and Craig started fighting over it because that is such a Craig thing to do. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That would be awesome, but, and then, I don't know, maybe, or, mm, it's either that or there's, like, a problem with the standee, like, like, they accidentally put, like, you know, a Jewish dude in, like, a striped shirt or something, you know what I mean? Gotcha. <laughs> like, I don't want to get too specific here, but, like, I know there was, like, stuff like that happened a couple times in the 2000s, so I don't know, maybe they're poking fun at that. If if this was later on, I would say it was like that dude who like viral marketed himself and like put a standee of himself in a gas station offering like his own special meal that didn't actually exist. But I don't think I don't think that's what this is. Yeah, so so you think he'll be like uh that that time that uh, Kellogg's accidentally made a uh, racist cereal box for uh, pops. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't thing. know if you know anything about that, David. Oh, you but, son uh... of a... Shut up. I discovered that. I hate you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's probably more likely, come to think of it. Like, as much as I really want the, like, Hal versus Craig plotline to happen, I think it's more likely that they're probably poking fun at, like, stuff like that. So it'll either be, like, a racist standee or, like, could be, like, a problematic, like, standee, like, maybe something that's, like accidentally mocking women or something like i could see them having a standee that's like kind of making fun of like the rosie the riveter stuff and whatnot okay do you want to lock that in then as your uh guess uh probably i think that's probably more likely for the 2000s okay also if nothing else just to spite you for the stupid kellogg's <laughs> freaking jerk look i'm just trying to tell you about this interesting thing that uh you know i i, I discovered I, that I, I, I thought you might be interested in i hate you i discovered it um that doesn't sound right and then hmm, i'll say that we don't see francis again okay that's what i was gonna ask and i'll say we don't see hal's work yet like we saw the building but i don't think we see him doing his job yet either okay all right. Well, I think that uh, wraps this episode up then. Thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld, who does our intro and outro music. If you would like to hear more of his music, you can find the links to do so in our episode descriptions. And if you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast.
And if you like the banter back and forth here, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we stream video games, banter back and forth with the audience, and in general, have a good time. And especially join us on the weekend of November 5th and 6th as we stream for 24 hours. Um, it's a ton of fun, and we're raising money for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Ours specifically goes to the Denver Children's Hospital, which is a hospital that the experts in uh, worked with and, and my family and and save my son uh so it's something that's very near and dear to my heart we greatly appreciate everybody showing up if you can't donate that's cool too come hang out come kick it with us everybody just being there helps us helps promote it helps push it out you guys are awesome and we appreciate you it also helps keep us awake uh, it's very too. important in extra life <laughs> yeah because 25 hours minimum is what we'll be streaming yes and i'll be watching Potentially twice in a row, Groundhog Day. <laughs> That's right. You might pretend if we reach our goals, Jake might have to suffer. <laughs> uh... We can't stream the movie because, you know, licensing, but we can stream him watching it up in the corner while we do other stuff. You sure can. <laughs> <laughs> the existential dread cam. That's it, dude. I've been thinking of what to call it this whole time. Like, I've come up with so many different names. I'm going to try to make a special border for it and everything. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, as always, remember, life is unfair. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.